0: Welcome to Getting Curious. I'm Jonathan Van Ness, and every week I sit down for a 40-minute conversation with a brilliant expert to learn all about something that makes me curious. On today's episode, I'm joined by Tara Foley, founder of Fulane, where we discuss the power of taking care of our bodies with non-toxic products and what clean beauty really means. You're like a clean beauty skincare advocate. And you're also the inventor of Folane, which is a Uh,
1: clean beauty retailer. We have the best of clean beauty by over 80 brands um, and a growing, actually, assortment from our own brand as well. And we vet for safety but also for performance. We know that women have to have high-performing beauty products because that's the benefit of beauty.
0: Really, I think people. Yes. Have to yes yes but yes people need high performance beauty RN yes they can't help but that we do you <laughs> yes. know because we want non toxic ingredients we yes. want ingredients that work but actually I do think that there has been some clean beauty things that were high performance like because like, I think like Aveda like was
1: back in the day when the Horst day. Was yes. still Reckovakker yes because my involved. mom came home
0: with that chamois and the and the glass bottles yeah and like I was nine and I was like wow.
1: That your mom was so ahead of the time she was
0: she went to this she went to the Front neck mall in St. Louis and she went to the evadas store here there honey, and they really educated her, but you're lucky, did, but how did you get into this because you started blogging about clean
1: beauty like mm-hmm. before there before it was called clean beauty right before it was a thing, yeah, why? Because, so I I was a public policy major. I've always been an activist at heart. I always wanted to do something where I could make an impact. And basically, I was in a job that I did not like, working at a law firm and marketing, (laughs) studying for my LSATs at night. And I started to focus on my own health and wellness for the very first time. Because I did not grow up in an organic household like you. I wasn't so lucky. Either. I didn't, I didn't know about that stuff. I but. mean,
0: no, Aveda was like, I mean, okay, first of all, I should say, like, I was chugging Diet Pepsi and, yeah. and shoving Pop-Tarts down my throat. And, like, we were by no means an organic household. My mom just, like, walked past, like, an aggressive salesperson yeah, she outside fell of an it. Aveda store. And she was, like, taken. Well, yeah, but, I mean, I that was how I was introduced into sustainability. And the idea of sustainability or, like, organic ingredients and in any capacity really was from that interaction. So in that term, or in that way, I am lucky, but we are by no means like a super organic house. So
1: you came into it through beauty. Yes. But most people come into it through food. So I was one of the, I, so I basically was so focused on you know, food and fitness and everything. And in researching how to take care of myself in that way, I started reading little things about how there's no regulation of the beauty industry in the U.S. and how basically all of my beloved beauty products, because I love beauty products, I always have, all of my beloved beauty products were filled with a bunch of toxic crap. And specifically here in the U.S., I just got so fired up. I felt like I felt like we were being disrespected, basically, and here I was trying to get into advocacy or trying to get into something where I could make impact, and I was like, "Man, is that going to be through lipsticks?"
0: Yeah, maybe. <laughs> and it <so>. was. <laughs> yeah, but I mean, I think that's. I mean, I learned. I we got to meet when we did. I met you through working with Gorgeous Biosense, which I love so much, and their Clean Academy, which has been really so helpful for me, and it really has put me in a position to learn so much about the skincare industry and ingredients that I didn't know before, which I think is really fascinating. But one thing that I learned about with you is, like, just—so I already knew that with ingredients that they were—I knew that they were listed in order in which, like, how much is in each product. So, like, the first ingredient, there's the most of that. Mm-hmm. The second ingredient, there's the second most of that all the way down to the end. Mm-hmm. What I didn't know—you're like, yeah, queen, you're preaching to the choir, <laughs> I already know. What I didn't know was this whole fragrance parfum double asterisk.
1: yeah. It's really bad. It's, put the
0: put it on the people.
1: <laughs> it's 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 crazy. I'll tell you
0: just really quick, and then I, I will shut up. I swear to God, no. This is literally not something that like Tara made up. That's like a wives' tale. This is like literally like sometimes when I hear this, I think like this has to be an urban legend, but it's not. Like it's true.
1: Yeah, I mean, there's great documentaries. There's great books on this. Um, there is a movie called Stink on Netflix, actually, that people can check out. It's a documentary um, that a dad made. Anyhow, so regardless, fragrance is a, is a loophole. It's considered a trade secret in the United States. And so basically, um, big beauty companies, really big any companies, any CPG companies, will list fragrance on CPG? Um, consumer products, goods. Oh, so, shit. So okay. like anything. Like, cleaning um, supplies. Cleaning supplies. Uh, I mean, there's fragrance in trash bags. It doesn't really need to be in there. I think I mentioned this last time we were together. Like, it's just kind of silly. But so anyhow, fragrance is added to a lot of these products and it's a loophole. It's considered a trade secret. You don't need to say what's inside of the word fragrance. So because of that, companies, big companies will sometimes include many, many toxic ingredients. It can be up to a thousand ingredients inside of that word and they don't need to say. And it's not like it's not like they're trying to do harm. It's it's just like a really easy way to get in some of these ingredients that aren't very good for us.
0: Well, sometimes I feel like that's been coming up for me a lot lately in the podcast is that, like, you know, they weren't trying to do harm. And I think that I, I hear that. A, I feel like I'm I'm finding myself hearing that a lot. And mm-hmm. it does make me think of that, that phrase of, like, the road to hell is paved with good intentions. Mm-hmm. Like, but, like— not meaning harm is not the same as not doing harm or coming from a place
1: of goodness.
0: Right, cuz like people can come from whatever the fuck they want to come from, but the proof is in the pudding. Like, you know, it's like cuz I found I've also found that with myself like professions like you can say all whatever you want to say about how much you care, but if you're if the work is not working, then it doesn't really matter like what you say.
1: I feel like clean beauty is the exact, is exactly what you're saying. It's the exact opposite of, oh, we didn't do. Ho-. So there are all these trends now where you see free of sulfates, free of parabens, like all of these things. But that doesn't mean that it's clean beauty. Clean beauty is rooted in a place that it was actually started from green chemistry principles. It was actually started from a place of trying to make something that is only positive for people and planet. Right. And so that's the huge difference. Right now, there's this big trend and people are trying to get on this, quote unquote, clean bandwagon. And so they're like, oh, we're paraben free. And we're even fragrance free. And we're free of all this stuff. But you le- read the ingredients and it's it's not good. And it has a lot of other chemicals that there just haven't been human studies on. So like, we don't even know if they're good or bad. And it's, you can tell when something's rooted in goodness or when something's like trying really hard. <laughs> so what are,
0: what are some of the what are some of the hidden ingredients that we can find inside fragrances?
1: Well, so it's funny because you're not going to – you're never going to see it fully listed out unless a company discloses. And you're going to see a lot of synthetics in there, and synthetics aren't always bad. The bat, the worst issue with fragrance is something called a phthalate. Do you know phthalates?
0: Yeah. That, okay. I, I think I do. But phthalates are most notorious for being an endocrine, endocrine disrup- disruptor.
1: Exactly. Yeah.
0: Which is most – which endocrine system is what controls our th- or controls like our yes. hormones.
1: Yes. Exactly. And that's so when people are having reproductive issues, when people – I, I mean, even just feeling sluggish and bad. I mean, think about all of the products we use every day. Not even just our beauty products, our skincare products, our cleaning pro everything. Think about all of these CPG, the consumer pr- products goods and – And what's inside of all of them. And it it starts to add up.
0: Especially, well, like, I was just reading this article about, like, how there was this one type of chemical that was really harmful for house cats that was, like, a cleaning solution. And, like, it used to be that, like, 1 in 100 cats had thyroid problems. And then, like, in the 80s when this, like, chemical started being used, like, it became, like, 27 out of, like, it just, like, it's – it, like –
1: Hundred like, percent. Yeah, I mean, like, not a hundred, but I know what you mean. But it made it
0: made like twenty five percent more cases of this like issue, because
1: um, we're all the guinea pigs. They don't test this stuff on humans. They, what they do is they create products that are solving a marketing need or they're solving a need for the company, and they're not considering people and planet in making them. So it's like. How are you going to make a uh, body lotion so you never have to shave your legs? Okay.
0: <laughs> like right, they're just can't... getting
1: to an endpoint, right? Right.
0: So for you as a consumer, it, well actually, let me answer or ask the first question which is like how so you have been talking about this and writing about this and learning about this since before it was an industry. Like why like you're like, "Oh my god, is this going to be through lipstick?" But like how did that happen for you?
1: Um, I started just telling my friends and my family members, and they just were like, what are you talking about? I've never heard about this. I've never thought about the ingredients. Oh, well, the government regulates that. I mean, people just, they thought I was crazy. And the more and more I dug, the more I realized that I wasn't crazy and that people needed to know. And Ultimately, like, I'm running a business, but I consider myself an educator at the end of the day. I've always had the exact same mission. It's just been different approaches, and, like, the first approach was a blog, right? (laughs) And basically through the blog, I was meeting with all these passionate brand founders, and they told me, Tara, we have no home. There's no clean, you know, Sephora or no clean blue mercury or something, and so – I was just like, all right, my next thing is I need to build a home for them. And there was no no such thing as clean beauty and I I couldn't like go to the beauty industry to learn how to create it because in many ways we were trying to disrupt it. So I just built a store. Right. <laughs> so I was just like, but it's like you like,
0: know. Oh, but you actually have like freestanding stores. Yeah, yeah. Yeah.
1: We have six stores across the US across the US, I say with buddy <laughs> in quotations. <laughs> we have one in Seattle and then everything else is on the East Coast. Um but we have one in in New York, we have two in Boston, we have one in Dallas, um, and we have one outside of d c and then one in Seattle. so
0: is it cons- so as someone that's passionate about like the beauty industry, it's like, how do you deal with like when you realize that you have something that's like not good for you?
1: How do you deal with it?
0: Yeah, like how do you like <laughs> you really don't buy it
1: anymore? <laughs> no, I mean, I think I think you have to be ready to make the change. Right? So, um, and that can be for anything in your life because you really have to make a commitment to it uh, because it's going to feel very different and foreign when you first start doing it. So think about when you first started doing like your figure skating or, I mean, a lot of people, we speak about like yoga in the store or starting a new diet. It feels so foreign and different when you first do it. You need to be able to stick with it and commit to it. It's kind of like a psychological thing because, you know, most people are using... I don't know, like a, a very traditional, conventional face cream. And they come in, and we're going to match them to the right thing for their skin type and concerns. And maybe it's going to be a face oil. Maybe it's going to be a cream that feels and smells very, very different than what they were using. And we can tell them that the performance is going to be better in the long run. You're going to really love how your skin looks. It's based in nutritious, real ingredients that are usually plant-based, but it's going to feel really different. So you need to kind of stick with it. And so I think a lot of people are – um They're a little bit scared off at first, and then they they you know they give up. But you can't give up.
0: How do you vet new products like to bring into your house? Like if it's like a cleaning product or a beauty product.
1: So we don't. Oh, into my own home? Yeah. Oh, oh. oh, Um. So I'm actually, to be honest, I'm I'm pretty minimal. So I have I have two young kids. I have a three year old and a nine month old, and um and we're like incredibly minimal. I mean we. So I always obviously check the ingredients. I, I can tell you some of the brands of cleaning surprise, supplies and things like that. I use very few products on my kids. I use very few products in my house. I I believe kind of less is more and find the things that work best. And that's kind of the approach I've taken with Fulane Two. We don't carry any full brand portfolios. We only carry uh, hero products by brands. And we only carry things that we truly can stand by.
0: Well, I love that.
1: Yeah, I mean, we, we know that... Um, Basically, I mean this is again this is a hard switch and if people believe that it doesn't work, they're gonna they're going to swear off of clean beauty forever. So we really have to carry the things that do the best work. Ah,
0: love. We're gonna be right back with more terra Foley right after the break. Hey, hey, hey. Welcome back to Getting Curious. This is Jonathan Venice. Okay, so regulation. The thing that doesn't exist in the beauty industry in the United States, which this is really hard to understand. Because the FDA, the Food and Drug Administration, right? That I think the A stands for administration. Yeah. <laughs> it only regulates, like, skin care and beauty stuff if there is an active drug in it, and mm-hmm. which usually is, like, only sunscreen.
1: Sunscreen and then some a- acne products as well.
0: So, but, like, by and large, like, your body lotions, your body washes, your deodorants, your... Uh, shampoos, conditioners, um, eye cream, face serum, uh, any sort of salve, your nail polishes—like <laughs> you can keep going. I mean, yeah, all your eyeshadow, <laughs> like all that. It's like it's it's one hundred percent. Yeah, uh, unless there's like a random uh, test, like when they found like the asbestos and like JoJo was like stuff from Claire's.
1: When people freak out, they'll have knee jerk reactions sometimes, but they still aren't. They stir- still aren't often. Acting anything into federal law, if that makes sense. So there have been many, many bills in front of Congress over the past few years, and that just means there's can- actually
0: a popular one right now that like Courtney Clark, Courtney Kardashian is
1: involved with the Personal Care Safety Act or yeah. the Clean Cosmetics well, Act. Well, like one there's of like those. Four, there's there's I, there's three that I know of that I'm I'm very familiar with that we're involved and in, like we signed on, and you know I support it in every way. And but it's just um, it's just kind of sad. this is the reason why again like. I had a background in public policy. When I made this discovery that there was an issue in the U.S., I very much considered going back to D.C. and working there and try to make change. But then I saw, okay, there's been no there's been no update since 1938. And yeah, so
0: 1938 <laughs> is the last time that we had any sort of the personal care – what was that act called, the personal care? Gosh, is, I'm,
1: I bl- I'm blanking on it right now.
0: Literally, since 1938, have not had any right. – and the reason is because it's like the chemical lobby yes. is extremely powerful, and we actually don't – we so tell me a little bit about this chemical lobby. Who are they? <laughs>
1: um, I mean, I, I honestly, I don't know exactly. I can't say it's just one company. Yeah. um, but well, it's, it's, not. It's, it's not it's not it's not it, It's kind of it's like it's like the cigarette lobbies back in the day or it's like the sugar lobbies. It's basically, A number of different companies that are behind it that are trying to ensure that there are still certain, like oftentimes petroleum-based ingredients, oftentimes fragrance-based ingredients, things like that, that are included in almost all fast-moving products in the country. And so they're going to do everything in their power to make sure that their ingredients are, are still going to be active in these products.
0: And or like like a peg 10 or like a zirconium like exactly. whatever. I
1: love that you brought up pegs. Nobody Pegs are in everything. Yeah, Absolutely what are pegs? Everything. What do pegs do? So so pegs are in for a number of different reasons, but the reason what makes them really, really bad is that to create a peg, which is an ethoxalized ingredient. By the way, I talk like I know what I've I've learned enough to be dangerous in chemistry, but I'm not a chemist. But from what I've learned from like expert advisors and friends in the space, so pegs basically are created using a process called ethoxylation, and as a byproduct of that, something called 1,4-dioxane is created, and that's a known carcinogen, and that's something that like you know they found a massively high amount so of it. So when we
0: make pegs, pegs, a byproduct of that is does that wind up 1, in the 1,4-dioxane,
1: and so it's in it, but it's not. It doesn't. It's not listed on the ingredient list. Is that
0: kind of like with keratin treatments, how like the formaldehyde isn't in the keratins once you put heat to it and then it makes it?
1: Exactly. It's a formaldehyde release. Exactly.
0: So when we're using stuff that has pegs in it, it releases?
1: It's all, yes, exactly. That's exactly right.
0: So if I use a lotion that has peg 10, it creates? Any pegs. Any so when I use a lotion that's got any peg in it,
1: yeah. it creates one dioxane.
0: It makes one dioxane, which yeah. is a nose carcinogen it's a known carcinogen. Yeah, and it
1: doesn't need to be listed on the Of what
0: can of what cancers?
1: I I I don't know exactly. Oh but,
0: my god, is it my balls? Is it my bones? I, is it my fucking throat? Is it my goddamn fucking skin? Is it what is it? Is it my fucking rectum? Is it what is it? <laughs> I'm so sick of all these cancers. They're
1: everywhere. Get away from me. Yeah. And they don't. And anyhow, fucking ew. It's a it's a
0: Can terrible. Can these self- cells just stop dividing? so goddamn much. Can we just fucking relax? I've had it. I'm leaving. Okay, I'm just kidding. So um, okay, so pigs scary. Yeah. So pigs are one big thing that we don't yes. like. What else do we hate?
1: Well, I mentioned fragrance. That's what I yeah, hate. We hate fragrance absolutely the most. I I mean I I. <laughs> So first of all, I don't love fixating on the stuff I hate so Remember much, but it makes it pearls, easier.
0: Those the the that the, the those environmental, we learned about them together. Those environmental bio accumulatives.
1: Yeah, that's many. That's many different. And, the, and but the one that we lit was like a taka. Not tocopherol.
0: What's tocopherol? What's she do? That's just
1: vitamin E. That's just used oh, as like a her? preservative. Yeah, I mean, it's a so. It, there are lots of synthetic ingredients that are safe. A lot of people think chemicals are bad, and that's just not the truth. You need actually, you need synthetic stuff to preserve products, or else they're going to get moldy and kind of be unsafe in a different way, right? Right. So, um, anyhow, tocopherol is is she's furious. Yeah, it's fine. Or it can be she's furious. Yeah,
0: yeah. <laughs> so, but when it comes to regulation, it's like the so, but it's like the different can the group of different chemical lobbies are what keeps these laws from passing in the yeah. United States.
1: Yes. Absolutely.
0: And I'm guessing that Mitch McConnell probably like is really good friends with them and like they're like besties. And like I bet Lindsey Graham and Mitch McConnell and all the chemical. I lobbies think it's just an goes, ugly,
1: ugly world. Yeah, I'm sure. Some ugly conversations.
0: Because I because you know, there's so many, you know, when we think about I mean, I am not a conspiracy person, but when you think about all the different health adverse health effects that we see rising across this country because it's that are that you know want to get pinned on so many different things but when you think about like the trade secrets act and the fragrance lobby and the things that we are slathering all over our bodies from head to toe day in and day out putting it on our counters the floors our cars are everywhere it's everywhere like that has and we really don't do Research on that.
1: Well, I mean, in some ways, you shouldn't have to, right? Like, you should be able to trust somebody in some capacity, but but you just can't. And but how
0: can you if there's no even really regulation or enforcement? Like, does the Center for Disease Control or the FDA, like, are they doing like tests? No, like, they
1: they don't even they don't even have. So, as part of these new acts that are right now in front, these bills that are in front of Congress. Um recalls are part of them. Right now, they if if somebody like did you hear about the hair care line where everybody um went bald a yes, few years ago? Yeah. I won't bring up the name of the brand, but so the FDA didn't even have the power to recall those products. I mean, that's crazy. So so anyhow, so nobody's really doing the work for you. So so that means that you kind of have to do work for yourself or you need to find people or brands or whatever that you trust. And obviously you work with these brands that you trust, and that's awesome. And I just I I feel like it sounds so, so, so incredibly extreme, but I think in the future, people are going to think about this as, like, the cigarette industry one day, the, just because, like, it, it's so obviously, like, glaringly just at fault, but nobody's doing anything about it. <laughs>
0: <laughs> yeah, I mean, well, one thing that I have, like, has been really scaring me is, like, the difference between, like, chemical and mineral sunscreens. Mm. And, like, I've always been someone that uses chemical sunscreen, like, just because it, like, you know, air qu- I'm holding up quotes here, but, like, absorbed better. Yeah. But I have actually switched all the way to mineral. I'm only using the Biosense um, SPF 45 one. Right. That is, I believe she's zinc-based. Um, but chemical sunscreens work by actually like absorbing the radiation Mm -hmm. into your skin in the first place. It doesn't even reflect it at all. Right. Like it's, and I was like, ew, like why do I want to absorb radiation into my skin next to my little baby cells that are trying to like get away from this sun exposure? Totally. Like just theoretically it doesn't make as much sense.
1: Yeah, and I mean there you you read about the new actually I I I know that you read about it. you've discussed it recently on a recent podcast but yeah. um but it's just it, the FDA study on that said okay it's absorbing in we can prove that it's absorbing in but we don't know if it's doing any harm it's like well, <laughs> if these are like I mean, they're killing coral reefs, by the way, and they're being banned, you know, in this country, in Hawaii, and other, you know, specific regions Dude, in this country, and, and all over the world, because they're killing, you know, aquatic life. But I wonder what if we zinc, think they're
0: doing to us? But I wonder if our mineral-based ones—I I hope the mineral—because maybe because they're naturally derived, they won't be as detrimental so to So
1: mineral-based um, sunscreens that are zinc-based, and then, by the way, don't have any other bad things, like any other phthalates, parabens, whatever. Mineral-based sunscreens are biodegradable. So basically— um, so like when you go into the ocean or when you take a shower or whatever when it washes off your body it's going to turn into organic compounds so it's a that's a known thing versus these chemical ones it's not turning into an organic compound that's it's the, impossible
0: that's the scary thing about those i think they were called like we learned about them together from EWG.
1: oxybenzone octinoxate well, well
0: there's these things that are like the bioaccumulatives like when we wash them off of our bodies a lot of like like it's, a lot of them are like sedaphils um Like, they're those things that make things more flexible and, like, pliable. But they, like, they're bioaccumulative. Like, when we wash them down the drain, like, they don't go away. Like, they just accumulate.
1: That's, I mean, that sounds like phthalates. Sounds like phthalates. Okay.
0: So, yeah, so so phthalates are the known endocrine disruptors. Yes. Parabens are also known endocrine disruptors, aren't they? But are they also carcinogenic?
1: No. I mean, they're mainly, I think, so there's six different types of parabens. And obviously, some of them are more harmful than others. I I'm mainly again like I'm not a doctor, but I I know a lot about this subject, and and basically, you know they're they're most known to be endocrine disruptors.
0: Got it. What and then so and then what else are we do we not like one to just steer clear of.
1: Well again there's just there's different um reasons why you would steer clear of different ingredients. So we mentioned chemical sunscreens, we mentioned fragrance, we mentioned pegs, we mentioned um parabens. Another one um that we didn't go into detail on is sulfates, specifically SLS, and that's that's not actually known to do a ton of um long-term uh, bioaccumulation or any kind of long term harm it's actually just a really bad irritant yes so for somebody who has like you know s- skin issues it's specifically like very 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 harmful it's also harmful to put back into the water stream that's oh honest- sodium lauryl sulfate is oh yeah so so that i mean the water system thing is actually what makes this a public health issue right because you know it's good if you and i you know stop using parabens and phthalates and all those products but until everybody does all of these ingredients get washed off people when they're washing their hands or when they're in the- shower and it goes back into the water system so sodium laurel
0: sulfate's an irritant to the water system It does it require more ammonia Like it's to because be-
1: it's an ethoxylized ingredient and it also has potential traces of that 1,4-dioxane in it so it's not at, at as high of a level as a peg by any means but anything that's ethoxylated has that in it but it's the, SLS. the most yeah the most – because it – you know what? The easiest – and this is like a crude – so,
0: But so many shampoos, oh. their first ingredient after water is sodium lauryl sulfate. Oh, yeah. I mean, so many of the ones that y'all love are – like, that is the first ingredient is sodium lauryl sulfate.
1: To make it foam.
0: Yeah, and that actually really – and I said this in Queer Eye, but it's true. It's like, that is the same thing that, like, cleans your engine of your car. And it's also, like, what they use, like, on Ducks and Wildlife to like, yeah. get, like, the oil – like, oil oh, off absolutely. of them. It's, it is a, an extremely aggressive – Chemical.
1: You see a lot of overlap between, you know, big chemical, like cleaning supplies, you know, paint, literally, (laughs) like car fuel, all of this, and beauty products. Because they're oftentimes made by the same companies or at least sourcing the same chemicals from the big chemical companies. What about people that
0: have, like, skin issue? Like, or skin issues? Like, where… Like, what are tools that they can use to kind of like get more information?
1: So, skin issues like um, inflammation, your like your yeah, your rosacea, contact acne, dermatitis, any of those. Yes. So, so you mean if they're trying to start using clean beauty products, yes. how do they? So, um, so I do think that starting as basic as possible is the right way to go for somebody that has inflammation.
0: Yeah. What if someone's like in the throes of inflammation?
1: Yeah. I, so again, like I would, I would almost do a mini skin cleanse if possible. So this is a, this is why I'm not a very good business person. But I would say, like, not use any products for a while, and then slowly add in very basic products. Like I, I always think that a face oil is the best place to start for a moisturizer because you're not going to have the petroleum, you're not going to have any of the mineral oils, any of the things that are, are going to be co- potentially commodogenic. But you also- could
0: have a, a mineral oil and a face oil if the company sucked.
1: Look for – I would actually – if somebody has severe inflammation, start with a single-source oil. So, like, just argan oil. yes. Just rosehip oil. Just something like that, basically. And and obviously, different oils are better for different skin types. Um, I think that somebody with – more combination skin should start with a faster absorbing oil, like a squalane oil. Um, and somebody with seriously dry skin might start with a barberry fig or a prickly pear. Um, and it, it, obviously, it depends on what your skin is going through at the time. But I would start by literally washing with water, no foaming anything, like just go back to basics and then slowly add things in because – if you start using a whole new product and a whole new routine, you're not going to be able to tie back any any of the goodness or any of the harm that that product's doing because it has this whole long laundry list of ingredients.
0: Where do you suggest people that, like, just do not know how to get into clean beauty or skincare? Like, they're just overwhelmed. They're like, I'm brand new. Like, where does someone start?
1: It's it's interesting because there aren't very many resources um, in terms of content that are dedicated 100% to clean beauty. So, I mean, you can go to a place like the EWG, the Environmental Working Group. They have a great database called the Skin Deep Database. It has, you know, I think around 100,000 products logged in there right now. So you can look up your own products to see if they're, quote, unquote, safe or unsafe um, on a scale of zero through 10. And so that's a good place to see if what you're using is, you know, good or bad, honestly. And then I would I would look out there for some of the retailers that have clean seals and programs, like, um, obviously, we're 100% clean at Full Lane, but Sephora, Target, I mean, even QVC this week <laughs> announced that they have a new clean seal. Literally, this is hitting the mainstream because people obviously are interested and excited about it, but they don't know where to begin.
0: Okay, wait, stand by. We're going to be right back with more Tara Foley right after the break. Welcome back to Getting Curious. This is Jonathan Van Ness. We have Tara Foley. We got to uh, meet each other working through Biosense with the Clean Academy, which was really so fun. So when we learned a lot about um, the difference between, like, the banned products that are involved in Europe and Canada and Japan, do those countries have more, like, has anyone ever done testing around, like, what, like, dimethicone does or, like, what pigs do? Like, Like, how did those other countries, like, know to ban this stuff?
1: So, uh, how did those other countries know to ban that stuff? Yeah, I like think, know to
0: make a ban list. Like, has someone done
1: research on it? I mean, absolutely. So there are there is a lot more research funded in Europe. So, for instance, like the research around aluminum zirconium in deodorant uh. and everything else like that, that's all out of, I mean, the majority of the studies are coming out of Europe. Um yes. Short answer is yes, there's tons of research and studies that would substantiate everybody having bans on these ingredients in everyday consumer products. Um the US just hasn't <laughs> stepped up to do it. Any-
0: Who do you think is like the most transparent?
1: Um that's interesting because they all have all those countries have very different and all those different parts of the world have very different approaches, so so Japan is is potentially the most rigorous in some respects but not but not every respect. To be honest, nobody's perfect. So you can still find stuff that wouldn't meet the criteria um that wouldn't meet my personal criteria in in all of those countries. Like people say, "Oh, if I go to Europe, I should be able to buy anything and it's all going to be safe." That's that's not true. They still allow Example. Um they still I'm trying to think of something specific. Actually, some of these chemical sunscreens that are that are um, very hot button right now, they're still allowed in Europe. I think that they're gonna jump on the bandwagon, actually, and I think they're gonna do that sooner than the whole US does, but
0: Because in sunscreens, even if it had like fragrance, it could have like a phthalate or that would make that DL. What's that one DL thing again? It's so scary. D I one four dioxane. One four dioxane. One, four-dioxane. This is like my biggest takeaway from this episode because that's the thing I feel like I didn't learn about before and I didn't know that we were going to learn about. One, Mm four-dioxane. And that's not in the ingredients, but it's a byproduct of any time I'm using anything that was an i
1: That's ethoxylated.
0: Ethoxylated. So
1: pegs, um, polysorbates with a high number after them, um, even SLS— some some people say that anything that has an eth involved, so like sodium laureth sulfate, yes. like all that, but I I don't think that that rule can actually be be applied universally. So, um, but it's it's anything that's ethoxylated um will lead to one, four dioxane. And I think I think I mentioned this before, but I mean Chuck Schumer basically was on this whole campaign against one, four dioxane because he had to be because in Long Island they were finding it in these massively high levels in the drinking water and it's like why because everybody's using products that release this ingredient so
0: <laughs> and that was in our cleaning or and, and New York is supposed to have some like the cleanest
1: water um I, I think it was specifically in Long Island. I don't know if it I mean I don't think it was New York City I can I can look into it more but but that was the first time I heard anybody talking about it in the news to be honest and it's like I don't know it's hard. It's hard. So
0: how do you <laughs> figure out like if you're going to like incorporate a new like what do you look for like when are like am I going to start supporting this company or not?
1: So we start with our restricted list of ingredients that we don't allow because it's easy, but then that's table stakes for us. From there we it's easy I mean to say if we can if we should keep going. Um, to the next step with a brand. From there, it's really like, what are they solving for? Um, And so if they're trying to, if you use inflammation as the example before, if they're trying to solve an acne, um, solving, you know, acne for a customer, it's like, how are they approaching it? Are they approaching it with almost entirely synthetic ingredients? Are they approaching it with plant-based ingredients that we know have good proven results for this? So a little so for,
0: salicylic acid, maybe.
1: Yeah, yeah, exactly. Willow bark. So basically, you we want to make sure that it's safe, but that it's also effective, and that it's performance driven as much as possible. Because we, again, we know that. People try clean beauty all the time, and then if it doesn't work in the very first step, they're going to move They're gonna move on. They're going to say clean beauty doesn't work. Well, I
0: do think that – because, like, I've always thought that, like, it needed to be, like, a mix of, like, science and nature. Mm-hmm. And I think sometimes, like, it's synthetic can be a mix – or yeah. synthetic can be science, but, yeah. like, that doesn't automatically mean bad for the environment or bad for you. Like, you can't have synthetic that is clean mm-hmm. or green. Mm-hmm. Like, I believe this. But what about the people that say – what's the science behind, like, does – does introducing synthetic ingredients like make the natural or does in, does including synthesized ingredients make the um make the earth derived ingredients like less effective?
1: Oh, that's an interesting question. Um, I think the answer is it depends. It's a little complicated. I see really beautiful formulas all the time that have both and that have clinicals on them that show really great performance. So I. I no, I don't think that – I don't think it should. Um, I think I think sometimes there are synthetic ingredients in a formula that are almost going to boost and help penetrate and help, you know, the product work even better. Ooh,
0: that's interesting. Because actually, I think that that's – I mean, not – this is not a Biosense commercial <laughs> podcast, but I do really like Biosense. But I do feel like the way that they – because, like, their squalene isn't from – because – Historically, squalene came from shark liver or olives, and that is not where Biosense gets theirs. And their bio, and I think their squalene would be considered synthetic because it's made from yeast and sugar uh-huh. cane and those big, gorgeous fats. Mm-hmm. But there, but both of the things are natural ingredients. But all I know is that when I use things that are based that are to have that squalene in it, it does. It gets into my skin. It doesn't like sit on top of it, which is like I feel like it. I like things it's that working. don't It's working. You like
1: the performance, yeah. Yeah,
0: because, like, I mean, I can tell, like, when I use something that, like, sits on the outside of my skin.
1: I think, so that sounds like they're using isolates of plant ingredients, um, and it sounds like they're using chemistry to make it, which is, again, like, that's not a bad thing at all.
0: Well, it's actually better because, like, I mean, if you, like, it, because they, they can make the amount of squalene that all of Biosense needs. They It takes up a square kilometer of space to make all of the sugarcane that they need to make that, like, all year long. Wow! And they're not, like, I mean, it literally saves, like— Millions of sharks. If you're going to sharks to get to get the squalene oil, it like the environmental impact of of harvesting squalene in this way is like so much less of an ass than like harvesting it from olives or harvesting it from sharks.
1: Right. And that's that's true green chemistry. I didn't know that about their about their product, but that's you did it. No, I didn't. That's I, literally
0: how they make their squalene. <laughs> that, yeah, that's awesome. And so they put like this yeast in these like big vats that are like you know a couple stories high, and then they introduce the sugarcane and by it, by determining like what molecules from the sugarcane get introduced, it literally makes squalene. That's awesome. And yeah, and then all of, and then even like all the byproducts like from the sugarcane is like used in the packaging. So they actually like use every single bit of the sugarcane plant in the production of either the product or in the box.
1: That's pretty amazing.
0: It's definitely like, it definitely, they're trying to, and, and also by making their squalene that way, they, sell it to other companies because they're trying to, like, lessen environmental impact of, like, ingredients to make clean beauty.
1: Yep. Yeah. I, I mean, that's that's really interesting, especially on the packaging front. A lot of people think in clean beauty and green beauty and all the different things that this piece of the industry is called that packaging all needs to be glass. And it actually, at the end of the day, I mean, glass is great because it won't leach into the, into the ingredients inside the bottle. And... I mean, it's highly recyclable, all those things, but—or highly reusable, too. But at the end of the day, it's so, so, so heavy to transport across, you know, the country, the world, wherever you're shipping it. It's um, also—it can be harder for some people to recycle, especially when it's mixed materials and if they're not separating them and everything. So so packaging is actually a really, really interesting one. It sounds like they considered it in, you know, the sugarcane plastics, which is super—potentially super light— I think. I don't know. I've never actually touched it.
0: (laughs) No, it is. It's light. Uh, And
1: and and hopefully, you know, it's not leaching into the ingredients or anything. So what about plastics leaching in the
0: ingredients? Like where 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 are we at on studying that? Like is is the what about these BP? Is that like the BPA? BPA,
1: yeah. Um, bisphenols, all bisphenols. And that's that's another thing. Like I mentioned in the beginning. When you see BPA free on it. When you see anything free, by the way, I think you should be skeptical because, you know, they've done tons of studies on plastics. If, if, if it's BPA-free, maybe there's BPS in it. Maybe there's something right. else. So, again, I would I would always optimize for finding out somebody that, like, lists their values and their policies and their standards, whether it's a brand, a retailer, you know, a, a content creator, whoever, and then just trust that everything's going to fall within those parameters because when you see... These big, big, big companies saying, "Oh, we're BPA free and oh, we're sulfate free, we're all these things free." I, I would be very, very skeptical um, because plastics can be, yeah, very harmful potentially.
0: And I mean, talk about like the plastics.
1: Not all plastics, by the way. Plastics can be okay too. I'm, I don't want people to be, I don't want people to be scared of plastics. But like, you, maybe you were about to bring up microbeads and things like that. No, I was just
0: thinking about like the pa- like plastics lobby. When you think about like oh, yeah. transparency <laughs> and like getting to like the truth of something, I think it's.
1: Forget about that. Yeah. <laughs> yeah.
0: But what about like in terms of clean beauty with like plastics that are used to package clean beauty? Like is there anything that you try to steer clear of or are worried about or are interested in?
1: So it depends on the formula. So if something's going to be um, – if something has a lot of oils in it that um, are like a tea tree oil or citric oil, citrus oils, um, we are much more concerned about the plastics than something that – you know, is a basic cleanser that has mainly water in it and a few other. Is ingredients. that because tea
0: tree is more naturally abrasive, yeah, so exactly, it would be exactly. it would invite things from its container into exactly. itself? Exactly.
1: And to be honest, like it's it's we we have a few. It, it's not worth going into the policy we have, but we have a few things that we need need to make sure that the plastics meet, and it's very basic. And plastics are pretty okay with us. I mean, um, as for far us, as
0: phthalene, yeah, exactly,
1: yeah. exactly.
0: But so, what what are they?
1: Um I honestly it's like I, I don't feel like it's worth going into detail on it. I mean like PET um is generally okay. Um post consumer recyclable is actually one where we push a lot harder because you don't always know what's inside of the PCR. Um so it, is
0: that like if a package is made of PCR? Yeah. Which means that it was made of...
1: Uh, it's, po- it's made of other plastics that's been recycled to make a new plastic container. But wouldn't theoretically we kind of like
0: that because it's already been used? You so don't it's like- know
1: what the plastics were to... To make that one, so it's, I wonder if there's some
0: shit we could put in there that's not that important, like a like a shoebox or something,
1: uh, like an organizational
0: <laughs> container. Like we know we put something in there that we're not going to eat.
1: Well, just the risk that you run there is that you know there may be BPA or oh, other. Oh, and then it's going to touch your
0: fucking clothes or something. <laughs> <No>. <laughs> Jesus Christ, Tara, can anyone win? You know, that's, what I'm the, that's the
1: problem. And it's and he, and nobody's perfect. And like, you know, you're not it's just like we're just trying to do our best, basic basically.
0: I remember that I read this book called Yoga and Vegetarianism and she that's a whole chapter. It's like everyone just doing the <laughs> best they can the best. with what they know. It's very true. Well, we've come to that part in the podcast where we've we've reached our time. Is there anything that we didn't talk about that we should talk about that I missed? It's like it's like it's a golden moment. We can if we missed anything that you want to share.
1: Um, so I guess one thing that we talked about a little bit was just how to start your journey and what products to start with um, and basically just how to start in general. And And I mentioned, I, I hope that people stick with it no matter what. Um, a couple of the product categories that... That we all use that could be potentially easy swap-outs or things like body lotions and body soaps and things like that. Think about the products you use most frequently throughout the day and then also the products that cover the most surface area of your body. Um, and then beyond that, I would say I would suggest that people think about um, the products that they use most in life. So.
0: Well, I am really into the Filane hand soap and body wash and have been using it, so flag for that we can make sure that I say that, but yes, I'm really into it and <laughs> I like I think that it's amazing. I love that it's reusable. And I also just and if Biosense wasn't exclusively at Sephora, we would love Biosense. Oh, of course. Yeah, we yeah. love but Fulane loves Biosense. Yes. Much major big hearts. <laughs> yes. Much approved. Um Yeah, that's so interesting. So really, and and when you say that you hope people stick with it, it's that you hope that people stick with supporting and buying clean beauty products from brands that are truly clean beauty brands. And basically, when we're talking about big companies that that say this free or that free, when there's a big company, it's harder a lot of times for, it's longer processes that have, you know, come, have brought bigger companies to where they are. And it's harder for them to like, correct their ship so to speak um totally. which is like what we're saying so it's like not that big companies can't make meaningful contributions to a clean beauty space yeah. um but in general supporting brands that are smaller they're more nimble they're easier they're it's easier to track their transparency and int- to track what you know makes their brands tick and basically you're saying like I hope that you stick with the brands that you find. Mm-hmm. and we and I hope that you really read ingredients and make that switch to supporting and knowing what clean beauty is in your life,
1: yeah, to educate yourself. I mean, it's a it's an issue of self-respect in a way. and and it's just basically like you can make a decision to eat your McDonald's or to eat your kale chip. <laughs> but like at least you're you know what you're deciding between. So I would just say this is another area of your health that I would highly encourage people to get educated on and to know what they're deciding between.
0: Terra Foley, thank you so much for your time. I really appreciate it.
1: This was so fun.
0: Thank you. It was so good. You've been listening to Getting Curious with me, Jonathan Benness. My guest this week was Tara Foley. You'll find links to Tara's and Follain's socials in the episode description of whatever you're listening to the show on. Follow me on Instagram and Twitter at Curious with JBN. Our theme music is Freep by Quinn. Thank you so much to her for letting us use it. Leave us a review on that Apple Podcast app if you want to, honeys. Uh, sign up a friend for it. You can find us on Spotify. Do whatever you want. You know, really, we support you of uh, making good, responsible decisions for yourself. So big hug, and we'll see you next time on Getting Curious. Hey